Blessed be your name. We thank you for the, for the privilege and the boldness to come. Father, we thank you. We give you praise forever. In the name of Jesus, we have prayed. Amen. The Lord is good. I said the Lord is good. So our school of prayer today, you know that? Yes, I'm sure you do. Started praying already, and we are going to continue praying plenty today. All right, before we continue, let's just, as usual, take our declaration of understanding. So everything that we are saying, we will have insight. Do you understand that? One to let's go. Now I declare. The Lord has given me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. And I've been filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. As a result of this, I'm walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. I am pleasing him in all respects. I'm bearing fruit in every good work. And I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. Now again, I incline my ears to his word. The Lord is entering my heart. He's giving me light and direction. He's healing me in every area. And he's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 I said amen. amen. Believe me, I'm excited. I am. Is it not showing on my face? It's showing, eh? <laughs> I should, if I need it, I would up myself for wear suits today. <laughs> sharp like him. <laughs> the Lord is good. All right, as you can sit and quickly get into a brief teaching, and then we're going to rise again to declare the word of God. Please, I want to start by reminding us, of course, our school of prayer. So everything we are saying is about prayer. Just remind, a reminder, prayer is not about your desire. Prayer is not about your determination. Prayer is about the will of God. What did I say? Prayer is about the will of God. What we are doing with our prayer is to establish the will of God on the earth. Please don't forget it. The aim is to establish the will of God on the earth. The aim is to establish the will of God on the earth. The aim, I say one more time, is to establish the will of God on the earth. That was why he, prayed, he told us to pray like this, Thy will be done on earth as it is written, recorded, predetermined, established in heaven. He wasn't saying that will be done on earth as it is being done in heaven. That's why we, we used to read when we were young. No. He's, what he said is that will be done on earth as you have recorded it in heaven. So everything that's happening on the earth. Now let me remind us again. Everything occurring on this earth has to be decreed by God. What used to cause a confusion in the teaching of Christianity is that people think, the people think that therefore... It means everything done on the earth is the will of God. There is a difference between the decree of God or the judgment of God. Two of them mean the same thing in this context. There's a difference between that and the will. What is the will of God again? That which he desires. That which he proposes. That which is part of the plan originally. Do you get my point? Many things happen that are not part of the plan. Then he has to decree a judgment. He has to. Now, even when it is his will being done on the earth, that will has to be decreed. So, what we want is for the decree of God to be his will. Not the adulterated will. When I say adulterated, now the one that we have confused. We have mixed things up. Many things happen around. Even though God decreed it, it doesn't mean it's his will, but it has to originate from his throne. 
his throne of judgment. Let me give an example so that you won't be arguing in your heart. How come Job's children and goods died? Was it because Satan wanted it? No. It was because God decreed it. Was that the will of God? No. But for certain reasons, he had to decree it. Why did everybody on the earth perish at the time? And leaving only Noah and his family saved by the ark? It was because God decreed it. Was that the will of God? No. We know the will of God. He doesn't want anyone to perish. That's always his will. So anytime you see perishing in the horizon, anytime you see God send a prophet to go and say, you're about to perish, guaranteed, always his will is never for anybody to perish. So two things you now quickly check. When the prophet says, in 40 days, Nineveh will be gone. You quickly go and check. Is it determined that cannot be reversed? Now, usually you wouldn't know. Only a few prophets will know that. Even Jonah did not know that. So you have to behave like Daniel. Daniel went to Nebuchadnezzar and said, hmm, I have seen the decree. So how do you make sure it doesn't come to pass? Break away from doing iniquity. Do you understand? He said, start showing mercy to the poor. He said, paradventure, God will lengthen the days of your prosperity. Why? Daniel was not sure that decree was not so firm that it could not be reversed. He said, badly, let us try. So usually as people, we pray, let me use the word, hoping that the time has not yet crossed. Because there was a time a man prayed, Jeremiah, and God said, no, the destruction has been determined. Why? He said it's overflowing with what? Righteousness. That is the right thing to do. He said they continually disobeyed God, killed his prophets, until there was no more remedy. So that's what happens. Sometimes there's no more remedy. But we don't want to get to that point. So anytime we see a decree of negative things coming ahead, we rush in because God never wants anyone to perish. Never. And I say to believers, as a matter of fact, if it's your personal life, if you can come to the place of repentance, you will always have mercy. When Christians can't have mercy anymore, they usually cannot even come to the place of repentance. So don't worry about that. Hey, Pastor, can I say be forgiven? The answer is a flat what? Yes. Why? You are asking for it. His mercy is everlasting on those that fear him. Those who fear his judgment, he constantly has mercy on them. Go and read the story of this our guy. The husband of that crazy woman, Jezebel, Ahab. Ahab sinned and sinned and sinned. And God said, go and tell him what I'm going to do to his family. Ahab went home and started crying. And God said, ah, look at how Ahab has humbled himself before me. I look at God, are you serious about that? <laughs> you, and you know the humility didn't last. As soon as God just shows more mercy, hey, the guy went back to his old ways. But take consolation from Ahab. <laughs> That if God can show you have mercy, wait till I don't do self. <laughs> well, you are probably worse than Ahab, but I'm trying to say that. Um, <laughs> I'm just trying to say that mercy is still there. But please, let me quickly add this one for Christians. Don't mock the mercy of God. Mercy is only available as long as you take hold of it now. Once you postpone the day of looking for mercy, you have made it ineffective. If you let us do it one more day, two more days. One day, one young man told me, of course, I, I've heard it many times. See, be quick when it comes to the things of God. Though. 
If he's calling you to repentance, if he's calling you to repentance, hurry. Young man told me that he used to do fraud for one night. So after listening to me, he repented, but he didn't have money. So I wanted to just do one more. What did I say? One more. One more. And then he will get some money. They can ha- you have money to follow God. <laughs> now, just by the way, in case you are there thinking like that, let me tell you what God does. Hmm? Assuming you were able to do that, and you made the money, and you now repent, you know what he'll say to you? As long as that mercy is in your hand, that money is in your hand, your repentance is not effective, and your mercy has not been activated. Have you ever bought um, data from one of these big networks, MTN, Globe? It's there, but they say it will be activated when you first, you tell something to do or when you first try to connect. So if you buy the data now and you don't use it at all, it's still in limbo. They give you for 30 days, but they won't start counting the 30 days until you make the first connection. So if you bring that money, say, God, I, I came to repent. This is how I'll be looking at the money. Say, Lord, what are you looking at on that side? Say, that money. Eh? He said, as long as that money is in your hand, your mercy has not been, what? Activated. So you'll be under judgment, even though you think you have repented. What am I trying to explain? Don't just bother. Don't just bother. Say, let me just quickly go and do small. And I'll come back. That is when people don't receive mercy. It's called mock, mockery. You're mocking God. Because you know he's merciful. You now don't do it first. They has to prove to you that apart from the fact that he's a merciful God, he also has a severe side to him. Never forget that. But what I'm going to say here. So what is the judgment of God? Is when we put everything together. Number one, his will, that which he has recorded, that which he desires, that's number one. Then he mixes it with two more things. One, our behavior. Because if God desires something for you and records it for you, whether you know it or not, there are hidden conditions. You have to go and find what those conditions are and walk by them before they will manifest. So he has a will. He has to add your behavior. Sometimes they have negative sides to our lives, our behavior, our character, our thoughts, our actions. That's added. That now, that now produces what they call judgment. But then that judgment cannot be, so that's level one. That judgment cannot be modified by another thing, which is what? Prayer. Our supplications, the intercession of somebody else, our repentance, different kinds of prayer. When God adds those three things together, his will, our behavior, things that we do, thoughts that we think, he now adds that with our prayer. Those three things are put together to produce his decree, his judgment. So what we want actually in life is that that which he decrees will always be that which he wrote as his will. And there are two things to do to make sure that happens. Number one, Paul said, seeing that we have these promises, let us cleanse ourselves of all defilement of flesh and of spirit and do what? Perfect holiness in the fear of God. That's number one. Number two, Jesus taught us to pray. Thy will be done in my life as it is recorded in heaven. Thy will be done in my nation as it is recorded in heaven. It's a matter of prayer. When you put those two things together with the will of God, then 100% of the times he will decree that which he has willed. And any time God's will is expressed in his decree, the manifestation will always follow. God's will is not always decreed in our lives. 
Why? We don't put these things in place. So the assignment we have as believers, a number of assignments. Number one, get to know the will. Because many times, you have to make a demand. Do you get my point? You have to make a demand. Like Jephthah said, he said, if Chemosh, is it Chemosh, how do you pronounce that God of the Ammonites? He said, if he gives you something, won't you possess it? He said, everything that the Lord our God has driven out from before us, that is the land he has cleared, he said, that we must possess. And God gave them a map. This is the beginning of your land, this is the end of it. Anybody on that land, fight the person. Fight. Fight. You must fight. You must fight. God gives you a promise of not mean there will not be giants there telling you you can't come in. Those giants are nothing but, you know, scarecrows, mirages, things I want to, <clears throat> let me scare him. I want to check whether you really desire that which God has proposed for you, that which God really has determined for you. I was thinking, you know, one of the messages we recommended, our old message now is Courage to Conquer. Please, that message about 10 years ago. Courage to Conquer. Please go and listen to the series on our website. Courage to Conquer. Sometimes, you know what Satan does? He wants to settle you small. Are you getting my point? So you'll not go for the big one. Do you get my point? Let's use money as an example. There are people that God say, hey, listen, listen, this life, eh? everybody has an assignment. See, as Pastor Banky is preaching, and you have literally, okay, let me not sound like a very big preacher, all right? But I think I, have, I can be sure that hundreds of people listen to me, okay? Let's not even say thousands, okay? <laughs> Unless people like Derek Prince, I will talk in millions. <laughs> Father God, one day when I'm old, I'll be like him. When I've grown up, <laughs> like my wife says. All right, so, so there are people, people who listen to me like that. So God says, see, Banky, people are listening to him. In the same manner, people are waiting for you to pay salaries. I don't know why I get my point. They go to him to hear the word, they come to you to pay money. They are waiting for you for LPOs. You know what they call LPO? Those who don't know. I mean, they want to do business. Are you getting my point? They want to supply something. I mean, come on, you're, you're, you're very big. You own manufacturing plants all over the, your eastern Nigeria. And in fact, the rest of Nigeria too, and some of these African countries, one or two, you know, some of the Asian countries. You have to, you have to be supplied paper, leaves. I don't know what you're doing with leaf, but are you getting my point? <laughs> Wood, cement. People are waiting to help you now. So you have to sign every month. Every month, LPOs that you pay billions of naira. We're not trying to be no materialistic here. We want to talk about purpose, okay? Every month, salaries you will pay. Do you know there are children, thousands, that will have to eat and go to school because you are alive? See, the way people are listening to Pastor Banky, they are coming to you to collect business, to collect regular income. Satan looks at it and says, <laughs> no problem. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to give you a job. I'm going to pay a millionaire a month. Did you hear that? You know, many people who are one millionaire a month jobs, God says, look, they have denied their inheritance. To the average person who does not know, he said, this is big. Well, God said, you don't understand. I wanted him to pay his own manager that amount of money. But now that's what he's earning. Courage is necessary. Sometimes you just look and say, no, this is not, this is, you see, it's not about personal aggrandizement. It's more like, no, I'm not just satisfied on this level. There are more things that we need to do for God. And look, if you are in that position, how will you know? Look, I'm not saying go and look at Once you are thinking of I can drive a big car, I'm not, I'm not talking to you. Once you are thinking me to I will not fly private jet, it is not you I'm talking to. You, stay where you are walking. <laughs> For your own safety, stay where you are walking. Because hunger, hunger will make you doubt God. Better stay where you are walking. 
I'm not talking to you. The kind of person I'm talking to, what he or she is thinking is, ah, look at problems. Who will solve them? The person having ideas that Kai, every day they give, they give him work to do. He said, oh God, telling his boss in his mind, we can do this thing better. The boss said, do what I have told you. Ah. And he's like, sir, this thing, the way you have said, like, we can only get about a thousand fold you know, results in this. But if we go this way, sir, we'll move from 1,000 to 10,000 levels. And he might say, boy, you think you're too smart. Come on, go and sit down. That kind of person is getting edgy. It's getting edgy. So one day they say, ah, sir, please, I'm seeing too many opportunities we are throwing away in this company. I have to go to go and get it activated so that we can, I mean, let's work. That is the kind of person I'm talking to. Sometimes to get that done, and that's called the fear of death, the, that they're overcoming it. This, this individual will have to leave that big house he's living in and go to a small one. Maybe a house he owned before, he will sell it to be able to raise capital. It's called the fear of death being overcome. Let me not sit on that for too long. So what Satan does is that, hey, 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 wait, wait, you will go hungry. Hey, hey, he tries to scare you. But what he's trying to do is keep you at a comfortable level where you will not demand greater things of God. Where your name is Jesus Christ, everybody is following you, you multiply bread, you heal the sick, and then one day they want to make you king. And if you live long, long enough at the age of 50, you say, is it this healing? And multiplying bread and fish will be doing all our lives. Why don't, we, why don't we become a king? And you are feeling very, very good. But you don't know that if only you will die. Are you getting my point? Those who believe in you will be doing this since you are doing. I don't know whether you are getting the point. The greater works they will do. If only you will agree to what? Die. Many times people are just capped in one small level. Sometimes ministry, they are just comfortable. Because you don't understand, once you are defining this thing by your own personal comfort, you will miss it. Those days, Robert Shula said something, that when you go to Japan, they have small, small churches. Why? He said, he, they would tell that basically, the Japanese um, church, they have a very strong tithing culture. You know what called tithing? Yeah. That's this, um, that's um, church structure tithing. I'm not talking about Bible tithing, just the way Christians do tithing. If you remember the church, bring a 10% to your church, you know that kind of thing. So he said, it's very strong in Japan then. I don't know about now. He says, so, if you have a church of 50 people, almost all of whom are tithing, the church has a very good income. They can pay the pastor as well as the other members of the church. Are you getting my point? Yeah. 50 workers in the church. The church will have money. 50 workers means the church earns like um, average, average income now of all the workers multiplied by how many? That's 10 times 50. That's five times the average. So they can easily take a good portion and pay the pastor too. So Rebbe Shula said, the pastor was generally comfortable. So when he came, and he saw them and like, guys, your churches are small. Now listen to this. In their mind, why does it have to be big? <laughs> I don't know that you get my point. What shall we eat? What shall we drink? It has been taken care of. So they were okay with churches that are not big in size. And when you ask them why, they say, this is Japan, there's no land. So you ask them, hey, excuse me. What do you mean this is Japan? There's no land. That my father used to say to me, once you are near the waters, you can have as much land as you want. Reclaim the land. And the boss into laughter. This American pastor has come. And the thing, he was like, what's wrong with these people? And then one day he came back to Japan years later. And he saw that the unbelieving Japanese, not only did they reclaim land, they built a massive airport in the middle of the ocean. 
He said the day he saw it, his blood began to boil. He was so angry. Was this not what I was telling my brethren? And they kept on telling me there is no land. We can't have big churches. Unbelievers have now gone to the center of that same ocean that says the reason why your churches cannot be big. And they have built an airport. Why? It's called complacency. The complacency of fools destroys them, Solomon said. So Satan likes to make us complacent. And the woman told a story, very interesting. A woman came to him and said, I wanted him to pray. The man had about four major problems in his life. Health challenges. Something with his back, something with his head, something with his neck, and something, something everywhere. He said, <laughs> the man said, the neck problem is the main problem. If you can just get God to take away the neck problem, I think I can manage with the rest. He said, look at the man and said, I understand. If we were to dare to tell God to heal all four conditions, then the power in heaven may go out. Because we'll have drawn so much power, the AC will start doing, mm-mm. Because they want to heal only you. He says, so I understand why you're asking God to only heal one out of four problems. So the man looked at him and said, I think that was stupid. He said, yes, very stupid indeed. Then he prayed for the man and all four conditions were healed. Can I get to the story also? A woman came to him. Pray. Why? I need to hear. And she came with a stick that she had broken her hip or something. So she's walking with that stick. So they prayed for her ear. Instantly, it popped open. They tested it with a pin. And she could hear it clearly. Because before, she had hearing aid. Had to sit near the speaker. To be able to hear anything. And she said, I need to hear the teaching of the word. So they said, no problem. They prayed for her. Boom, the anointing was present. She was healed. As she was leaving, the man said, are you not forgetting something? He said, like what? There's one more thing. The woman said, don't worry about it. I can manage this one. <laughs> yes, I went away. And the man of God couldn't force anything. Sister wants us to become satisfied with less than God's best. That's it. And we must not fall for that. It's one of the things I'm going to be teaching today. We must not fall for it. Everything that God has promised, we say, oh, Lord, now I want to sound a bit arrogant, okay? But that's not the idea. I just want you to get my point. Say, Lord, did I beg you to write it down? <laughs> no. Now that you have written it down, please, can you go ahead and fulfill it fully? Yes. One of the things I, let me borrow the word worry about, fear. It just borrowed, okay? I don't want to get to heaven one day. And the Lord says, look at that, the things you are supposed to do in your life. But your own belief did not let me finish it. I don't want that kind of thing. I don't know about you. For me, I don't want it. If it's my destiny, I want to fulfill everything. I want to finish and still wait like three more days. That after everything is done, we check. If, if you travel a lot, I don't travel too much, but I do travel once in a while. One of the things you do when you're living in a hotel room, remember all those things you do? After you have packed your bag, everything, just before you jam their door for them, you stand there, you look. You'll be opening drawers that you have never opened. <laughs> you're in that hotel room for two or three days. That drawer, you did not go near it. Even if the doors for fingerprint, they won't see it on your own on it. You'll still put it open. And of course, like I always do, I'll not take the bed sheet and the duvet. And I'll turn it upside down. I'll turn it downside up. Because many times I've left my ordinary handkerchief and it starts start spinning you. It's handkerchief, but why should I lose it? Yes, I want to do that with my life. I look back, Lord, is there any book we have not finished? 
Yeah, there was one revelation God gave me once about the third day principle. Lord, please, postpone this coming home for another three weeks. I need to quickly write a book. I will crank it out again. Finish. Say, so I have... Uh-huh. Hey, wait, 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 wait. Wait, oh, there was one sermon I was supposed to preach. Please, connect the microphone again. I will preach it, preach it. <laughs> Say, Lord, I'm coming. I have finished the course. I have run the race. I have kept the faith. I look around. I've turned the best sheet of my life over. Check the drawers. All my children are taken care of. All my spiritual children, are, they know everything I know. I've written everything down. I've prayed all the prayers for them. Let me just quickly add something for the school of prayer. Know this for sure. Everything God has given you to be in charge of as a responsibility, he expects to pray exhaustively for. Yes. Your children, pray for them. Your ministry, pray for them. Your business, pray for it. Pray for your staff. I mean, wake up at night. That's the thing you pray for. Not all these witches are against me. No witches can be against you. Can I go there for a moment? Let me just say something. Witches are always against you. But no witch can be against you. You hear what I said? See, the, you know, those prophets who tell you that people don't like you, they are lying prophets. What did I say? Say like you believe me now. They are lying prophets. Yes, the people don't like you. You know why I said so? Is that a revelation? It's not a revelation. Right now, everybody in the PDP, Labour Party, Accord Party don't like Bolatinubu. Is that not true? Everybody in APC, Labour Party, and the other party, they don't like Atiku. Is that not so? So what revelation have you now brought? Now there's somebody who's struggling to eat and parents say, the people don't like you. Like somebody too. <laughs> My friend had the clinic. One man said, I think people want to kill him. He said, I think people want to kill him. So the nurse said, it was my, my friend's patient was on admission. He had a nurse, sharp mouth. I asked him, do you have land? The guy said, no. Do you have a house? Of course, you don't have land. <laughs> you, go, you can't build in the sky, you know? You don't have a house. Do you have a wife yet? The guy said, no. He said, do you know how expensive it is to kill people? <laughs> the nurse actually told the guy this. He said, if, any, if anybody kills you, what will they gain? And for information, it's not every head you carry to a shrine for money medicine. <laughs> Some heads are poorer than you looking for, looking for money. <laughs> no, the Lord is good. So let me come and leave that. Nobody is trying to pursue you. That's the part that they make. All right? Don't waking up at night praying about people who don't like you. That's nonsense. It's normal. People won't like you. It's a normal thing. He didn't like Jesus Christ too. They are not liking him, only walk the purpose of God in his life. Because they did not like him, they nailed him to the cross. Exactly the reason why he came. Can you see that? So don't worry about that. You wake up during the night, you pray about things that concern you. God has given you as, an, as a responsibility. Guard it and keep it. Guard it and keep it. You pray. That's just an aside. So that's what I want. I don't want anything that God has proposed for my life to be left incomplete. Then God will have to anoint somebody to come and finish my work. It's not good. What did I talk? It's not good. Hmm? Back here, son. It's not good at all. Oh, dear Ramachacha, it's not good. It's not good at all. Kodara. Let me finish my own work. I can look and do your own. Do you get my point? Do your own assignment. Do your own. And that because I didn't do my own, God have to anoint my children to do my own, then do their own. 
That's a boy, leave me to be one and fifty years because his father couldn't do fifty years work. <laughs> it's not necessary. That's my desire. That's my plan. I work with God to make sure that thing comes to pass. We will not allow Satan to sell us an inferior level of satisfaction. Yes. You're satisfied because they are, they are paying you big money. Because you that's supposed to be paying that money that you are earning. Now this money you are celebrating now. The plan I had for you from the beginning was that you'll be the one paying it. Not the one earning it. I hope you're getting my point. The Lord is good. Alright. That's just greeting ourselves. So, the will of God, that's what I'm saying, we pray it into existence. We will be okay, it looks like where we are, but if we perceive or we study scriptures, because we don't obey God with our strength or bring these things to pass with our strength, prayer is, no, is the job he has given us. Prayer is how we bring things to pass on the earth. People say we are praying too much. It's not true. You can't pray enough. And let me quickly add this. The fact that you are praying does not mean you are lazy. People give this wrong impression to people that you see Christians pray a lot. As if, eh, so? So? Don't they eat a lot? I don't know what I get. Why is there is a prayer you are tackling? Says, they are always praying. Say, are we not always eating? Why are you making it look? Why do they say, stop eating so that you can prosper? Is that prayer you want to touch? You know why? Because Satan is speaking through you. Prayer is not the reason why we are not doing what we are supposed to do. Those who really pray, are hardworking. Those who really pray are studious. Those who really pray are diligent. Without that prayer, they can't succeed. They can't succeed. They can't succeed. They can't succeed. Moses used to pray, talk to the Lord, but he led Israel. Do you know how hardworking Moses was? His father-in-law had to sit him down and say, the thing that thou doest is not good, like in Jesus' expression there. That what you are doing is not good. Yet this same man who would disappear to the mountain for 40 days to go and stay with the Lord, rush down from the mountain and stay before the Lord in repentance and, you know, grief for another 40 days. Yet he worked so hard. His father-in-law had to counsel him. What you are doing is not good. Because he only sat he sat all by himself to judge the whole of Israel. So God had to appoint elders to take the job away from him so that he became the supreme court of Israel. He only sat on matters that God did not give an express commandment concerning. He was a hardworking man. Prayer does not stop us from being hardworking. Prayer is the reason why we can work and be productive. If you don't pray, you work hard, you'll be a failure, a frustrated human being. You'll be walking and walking. You won't know where it's going. You will bring, you know, you will look for much if you come to little. That little, you bring it home. It comes into pockets with holes. It's very important that we learn to pray. So, just feel like just giving us a small charge to start, you know, today. That's what we are doing. We are birthing the will of God. We are birthing the will of God. Like I said, we want the will of God to be what? His decree. We want his will to be his decree. What is his will? That which he wrote. That which he planned, that which he purposed, which can be mitigated by our bad behavior. So he has to judge and take things lower. Or bring forth something he did not plan, which is what is called judgment. What does it add to the will? If we intercede, if we make supplications, if we offer sacrifices, if you cleanse, cleanse away the, the, the result of our bad you know, things 
and then bring forth that will again to our lives. So three things he puts together. His will, our behavior, our character, our work, and then number two, number three, our intercessions. Those three things are put together. And then he issues forth a decree. Remember, what we want is for him to decree that which he willed. Now that his will does not come to pass automatically without these other things, is shown by the fact that Jesus gave it to us as what? A prayer point. He said, pray like this. Thy will be done on earth as it is written in heaven. All right, the Lord is good. Now we're talking about healing. What is the will of God? Let me go over it again. The will of God is perfect health from the top of our heads to the soles of our feet. What did I say the will of God is? Mm-hmm. Go by it again. Now let's start it again. What is the will of God? The will of God is perfect health on the top of our heads to the soles of our feet. Yes, that's it. That's the will of God. That's the will of God. Let's go over this again because I want to talk about activating that power through certain laws. Let's start again from Numbers chapter 21. Numbers 21. We've read this a number of times. The people sinned against God and the Bible says that as a result, dangerous serpents came into their midst and then Moses prayed for the people. And God said to Moses, make a fair, and I'm in verse 8 now, make a fairy serpent and set it on a standard. Make a replica of a poisonous snake and attach it to a pole. That's what the New Living Translation says, making it simpler to understand. The Bible says, he who looks at it, he will live. And the Bible says in verse 9, now Moses made a bronze serpent. And set it on the standard of the pole. And it came about that if a serpent beat any man, when he looked at the bronze serpent, he lived. Then we read from the Amplified Bible, the classic one, showing us the, I mean, the details of how that was um, recorded. How that was said by Moses, to, by God to Moses, and how the scribes recorded what happened. Then in verse 9, and Moses made a serpent of bronze and put it on the pole. And if a serpent had beaten any man, when he looked at the serpent of bronze attentively, expectantly, with a steady and absorbing gaze, he lived. And he said, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the son of man be lifted up, so that whosoever believes in him will be saved. That was saved is the same word healed in the Greek. So in New Testament, you see saved is the same word for healed. The Bible says that he healed them all. Literally, Greek says he saved them all. All right? So this is the principle. If you want to be healed today, there are many serpents in the environment. There are, there are. All of them came because sin came into the world. Let me say something. It is not only those who sinned that experience the effect of sin. Do you understand that? Sin can be in the world and it's affecting people. After all, the Bible says that God was speaking to um, Jonah. So there were many people in there that did not know their left from their right. And they were going to die. But thank God for intercession. Do you get my point? You go down to many places that God will judge. Even children 
will be killed. What did they do? Nothing. But the iniquity of the parents was brought upon their generations after them. It happens. Bear that in mind. There are many serpents in the environment. One of the first things we learn, if you are learning medical, as medical students, causes of disease, we have like nine or ten of them. The serpents in the environment. <laughs> I would normally ask students, we teach it. They will tell you, of course, the common one infections. There are different kinds of infections. It's a serpent. I hope you're getting my point. Genetic disorders, that's a serpent. Physical factors like trauma, radiation, that's a serpent. Heat, fire. If fire burns somebody, that's cause of disease. Yes. Cold, too much cold kills. Thank God, this is Nigeria. Cold doesn't kill us here. We kill the cold. I mean, <laughs> in some countries, how many people die every year from cold? Cause of disease. We have many. Sometimes one interesting cause of disease is the defense system of the body fighting the body. Another cause of disease. Oh, it's a serpent. Serpents everywhere. Serpents. Different types. We have a long list of them. But they all have one name. The Bible calls them serpent. Serpent. They bite people. Somebody's gene will bite him. He was born with the gene. He has, there's nothing. You know, like yesterday, something made me go to the scripture. When Paul said we groan, not as if we want to be unclosed, but to be closed with another body. Are you getting my point? See, you don't know what that groaning is. See, for most of us, eh, that groaning only comes if you have an affliction, if you are sick. But even in your healthy state, if you have seen what life could be, you will still groan. I don't know whether you're getting my point. Yes. You know, <laughs> sometimes when I think I have problems, that's almost causing me depression. Then I'll just get, the other day, something upset me. I wasn't feeling happy. It was quite a number of, um, over a day. So I got a phone call. Actually, I called a friend of mine. He missed the call, then he called me back. So he told me, oh, sorry, I couldn't take your call because I was doing a procedure on a particular patient. When he told me what the procedure was, when he finished, I realized I had no problems. Yes, I just realized I didn't have a problem. But by the time it was finished, the individual would not drink or eat for the next how many weeks? I don't know. Can't swallow nothing. And one of my colleagues sent a picture around the other day. He said, if you think you have a problem, let me show you something. And he showed a five-year-old consulting a four-year-old who was thrown up into a toilet. Now listen, a four-year-old was being consulted by the five-year-old sister. Why? He was taking treatment for cancer, so he was vomiting at the age of four. Somebody took the picture and sent, say, if you think you have a problem, please look, come and see problems. <laughs> Somebody say serpent. Oh, they're all over the place. They bite. They bite. Coronavirus, say serpent. Ebola. Now, Nigeria, <laughs> people don't know. There's a lot on Ebola in Nigeria. I hope it is. Oh, I didn't mean to scare you, but... Nigeria Center for Disease Control released their alert sometime last week, warning all doctors to be careful. And telling them what to watch out for, what to quickly report if you see, because we don't want an outbreak. And they want Nigerians to please avoid traveling to Uganda, except it's absolutely important for now, until Uganda finishes controlling the Ebola outbreak and the WHO declares Uganda Ebola free again. Serpent. 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 Road traffic accident is a serpent. It maims 
and kills people. All forms of serpents. Now, one thing I want to note is this. Jesus, God didn't tell Moses that he would remove the serpent. What did he say? He said, tell the people to get their eyes up on the one on the pole. Take your eyes away from focusing on the serpent in the environment. Focus on the serpent on the pole. Look at that serpent. What is his name? As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the son of man be lifted up. So that whosoever will look to him, how? How? Attentively. How? Expectantly. And with what? A steady and absorbing gaze. Whoever will do this to this Jesus on the cross, he also will live. No matter the serpent that beat him. Could be an infection, he will live. Could be a road traffic accident, he will live. Could be a fall from height, he will live. Could be a genetic disorder, he will live. He said, just focus how? Attentively, number one. Be focused. Don't be distracted. That's why we bring it up here all the time. When it's time for Bible study, focus. Focus. How long is a match? Football match? No. That half time, added joy. It's 90. Hey, it's over two hours. You get a break during the half time. All right? The injury time is added to it. Yeah, that's what I mean. You know, that injury time is not added. Okay, sometimes extra time because after everything, you still have a draw. They now give you 30 extra minutes. Then sometimes they now put penal, like, what we used to call it when we were young, penalty. <laughs> Why do you call it as a child? That's what I call it as a child. Yeah, it was penalty. There are times three hours on the game. You know, men don't get tired. But for people like me, of course, I get easily bored with football. I tell you, Play for 15 minutes if you have not killed anybody. I mean, I'm going. <laughs> or if you have scored like 3-0 ahead, I'll watch the rest if you are on my side, though. If I'm the one that's called one against, I'm going. But I don't want to die before my <laughs> What am I saying? People sit down there and they focus. One man focused so much, his wife stood in front of the, the TV, playing with him, I guess. He threw her out of the window and did not know until the World Cup match was over. Football is, is, is almost, anyway, people focus, you know, they, people focus. So when it's not time to preach, people will be looking at the time. Pastor never talk, finish talking in 30 minutes. 30 minutes, you expect me to finish. I have a new rule now, in case you are hearing me from anywhere. Don't invite me if you want to be timing me. Please, remind me that I said that about myself. So I can tell Reverend Yinkato, Reverend. That if anybody is, just and say, Pastor doesn't like timing. One day, one of our brothers, probably watching this, invited me somewhere to preach. Oh, we finished that time. Next time, he invited me again. I told my brother, one of our um, um, mutual friends, said, tell him I'm not coming if he's going to time me the way he did last time. I told him straight. straight. So when I came this time around, they also made their plans, and they left me alone. I said, don't time me. So, Father, maybe you want to spare a little Don't invite me. I'm not, did I, I, I beg you. For your information, I'm one preacher that does not like invitations. You want to know what I enjoy most? This is what I'm doing here. The key to this building is in my hands. Not literally, but they know, you know what I mean. 
So I like that one. You can't tell me, Pastor, you have preached for two hours. I want to go. You know now. You can't tell me that. See the one I did on Saturday? I do now. We now announce. If you want to leave early, go to the other hall where I won't see you. Because this guy is going to preach till he's tired. And you will hear until I am tired. Your own tiredness is not in... No. You are the patient, I'm the doctor. Have you ever seen a doctor, a patient get up from a printer and say, Doctor, this is you don't too long. Say, this is you don't too long. And they go out. You will lie down there until he's done curing you. <laughs> what am I going to say? He said, focus what? Attentively. And he says, expectantly. I want to say to somebody, expect a miracle. Yeah. Oh, yes. Anytime you are interacting with the word of God, you will not be the same person that came. When you are living, you will have changed. Amen. Expect it. Expect it. Expect to always be getting better spiritually and physically. Amen. Expect it. Expect it. Is it have a steady and absorbing gaze? It's important. Let the word penetrate inside you. Those days when they want to take pictures, I don't know how many of you ever did uh, 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 what they call it. Wait and take. Polaroid is more than one. There's only called wait and take. Those days in Benin. Will you believe that until a few years ago, a few years now, 1985, all right? 85, 86. In Benin, Ring Road, they were still covering head with um, black cloth. And oh, you will see still like this. <laughs> then the guy will close it, has exposed it enough. Now go and develop and give you a it's called wait and take. <laughs> oh, the Lord is good. That's what they mean by steady. Those the ones they wanted to paint you, you will sit in one spot for days. You come and sit down wearing the same cloth. The guy will paint for hours one day. You come back again, so he can paint you properly. We must have a steady gaze at the Lord, not you no know, gaze today, gaze somewhere else tomorrow. No. But what I want to emphasize, I say, if you do this, you will live. No matter the serpent that beats you. That's what I began with. Different kinds of serpents in the environment. Hereditary serpents. Radiation serpents. Ozone layer is faulty, so things pass through and burn your skin. Serpents. Infections flying from Uganda, serpents. From China, serpents. From the water near your house, serpents. All kinds of serpents. They are different. There are serpents that even bite. You don't know where they came from. Doctor just said you have been beaten. <laughs> I know there's even real serpent bite. Met one woman on the plane recently. Where I was holding a book. So where I sat, she just said, she asked if it was a book. I was reading a Christian book. All right, by Rick Joyner. So he asked the question. That struck a conversation. She now told me that she had COVID. She's a health worker do too, too, but works for United Nations. That she had COVID and all of that. So... That she was in isolation for days and all of that. That she tried, you know how she got healed, according to her? The treatment she gave herself, of course, they were giving her the infusions and all of that. Said that she tried her best to remember all the scriptures. Now, she's not a very Jim Jim person because, okay, the book I was carrying was titled um, The Prophetic Ministry. She looked like, ah, what's special about it? Are all ministries not prophetic? I said, no, some ministries are apostolic. 
Some are teaching, some are evangelistic. I told her, she didn't even know that. I said, but that she just kept on trying to remember all the scriptures she knew. She's not a Nigerian. That, that, that's the only, she knew this is the only treatment I have. There was one, one, one lady that, when Ebola came to Nigeria at that time, of course, she was among those who handled the Nigeria patient that came in, the Ebola patient that came to Nigeria, that, that our big woman died in the process. So, of course, she, she, a day or two later, she realized she was stooling, she was having a fever. I took all the precautions necessary. Why handling that man now? Make a long story short, she was down with Ebola. Of course, immediately, they grabbed her into isolation. Well, of course, things that won't make the news is what she and her husband did. She had her phone by her. I mean, you could hold a phone. That was why we caught every day, reading out scriptures. The phone was filled with messages. Here, that is scriptures, scriptures, day and night. That was it. Day and night. Until she walked out of the place, healed. She recovered fully. That phone would have been good to keep in a museum, except that when you are living, they burn everything. Yeah, you come back naked, you came into the world, <laughs> naked, you leave the isolation center. It bathes you with all kinds of things and will burn everything you came with, including your phone. They burn everything. They burn, they roast everything apart from you. It would have been nice to keep that phone. She, ah, you know, those things, they don't make the news. The husband will call day and night, reading scriptures, prophesying, day and night. That is how healing comes to believers. It's not a glance and we look away. No. We look at it attentively, expectantly, with a steady and absorbing gaze. We are absorbed by it. He said, if we do that, I quote this all the time, Lillian B. Yumas, Kennedy Higgin, um, uh, I think um, John G. Lake, three of them said it different times, different words. He said, if anyone will give me the same attention to give, they give to doctors, I will get them healed 100% of the times and there will be no charge. What I need is attention. That's what they will tell you. Just give me attention. Just give me attention. One of my brothers told me something. By the time he told me the issue that I was having, Kai, you know, you have medical training. <laughs> Talking about one of my, um, I think my children the other day. Yeah. So I now said that, okay, my son was going back to school. And I was still striking of that. So I was dropping him. He said, do you need money? He's like, well, it's not like I'm in acute need, but I mean, how can I reject? I mean, if you're offering, um, I'm open to be blessed. <laughs> so I said, no. I said, I've rejected money from my father before. He said, why would you do that? I said, because I knew the trouble he was in, he did not know. I said, I knew the trouble he was in, but he did not know. Came to see me in school. Said, well, I need to take my start to hospital tomorrow. So he said, let me just see me today. So he brought out money. I looked at it. I told him I didn't need the money. I said, no, no, nothing. I'm fine. The one he gave me last time is okay. He was in trouble. He did not know. But I was a final year student, and I knew the trouble that he was in. He didn't take his money. Listen. Oh, did I tell you? My sister got killed overnight. Yeah, even though I knew my father was in trouble so much, I didn't take his money. Because I knew how much he would need, and I knew what he didn't have. Yes. Called my friends that day. I said, please, we need to pray. I said, we have to pray. So we stepped out of class to pray for like 15 minutes. But prayed from the bottom of our hearts. There was no phones. Next time I saw him, he came to help me pack my things from school. So I remember that day, I had finished my exam, final exam, I was leaving school, so I had to pack everything. So he came. 
So he was sitting down just in my room. So I think it was in a newspaper. Then he just leaned back. So I just remember, ah, oh, sorry, last time you were around, you're supposed to go to hospital the following day. What happened? He said, oh, that was, they don't know that they woke up the next day. She was perfectly fine. I said, eh. I said, okay, 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 okay. I didn't say anything to him. See, they just went simply because they had planned to go. And they woke up the next morning. They didn't know what happened. She was perfectly fine. <laughs> See, somebody say expectantly. expectantly. One thing I want for every child of God listening to me today, expect a miracle. Amen. Yes, I want you to start expecting God to do things in your life. Yeah. We don't come to the word of God because it's morally sound. There's morality in it, we know. But it's a source of eternal power. Yeah, that's what I'm making. Is a source of what? Eternal power. It's eternal power. That's where it comes from. You know, the problem is that many people just expect that if God doesn't do it now, it means he's not doing it. I don't know whether I get my point. No, listen, listen. I like one thing Kechene said was, he said, but he said, faith, she said, I never heard anybody say it like that. So that's why it struck me. She said, faith does not know when, but he expects God to do it any moment. Do you get my point? That if he doesn't do it this moment, it could be the next moment. But I'm not going to, now, I'm adding mine to it now. What does patience mean? It means I will not give up ever until I'm dead. There's no giving up. Like, prayer didn't work. It's working. And the truth is that it's always working. Oh, it is always working. It is always working. It is always working. There are different doses of anointing that we may experience each time. Many people, Jesus healed with a word. Some, he applied mud, made mud with spittle, clay, rubbed it, put it in man's eyes. I said, now take, some, take a walk. Go to the pool of Siloam and go and wash. He needed that time. It was not a joke. It was not that washing that started the healing. It's the application of the mud. Now, this is my own theory. Now, I won't be dogmatic about this. My theory is that, listen, the man was made out of mud, right? So Jesus decided to recreate his eyes. So there's a process. It's called incubation. <laughs> Why the mud was transmogifying, <laughs> transmutating, changing from ordinary mud to living flesh. I dare to say when the man got there, he hardly had anything to wash. Just some dirt. The one that he didn't, he didn't use. You know when you are cooking? There are some sticks of vegetable you leave behind. Yes, that's the mud remaining. Most of the mud had been absorbed into new eyes. He washed the face and he came back sin. There was a man Jesus touched. He said, do you see? Can you imagine? Jesus had faith, but he was asking questions. What do you see? I see men walking around like trees. He said, good. Like one man said those days. He said, by that, Jesus calibrated the dose of anointing needed to complete the job. <laughs> Did you get that? <laughs> he said, knew the dose delivered. Boom. What do you see? Men are straight. Say, okay, that was like um, 500 kilovolts. No problem. To finish it, I need like under 150. You rub 150. <laughs> Touch it again. The guy was not seen clearly. <laughs> clearly. Someone that taught us this when I was in Adoikiti as a, as a house officer. The one that came to our church and said, every scripture is a molecular power. I like the way you responded. Every scripture is a molecule of power. That you need to know how to split the atoms in the scripture. 
Yes, there's this atomic energy. If you can split it properly. Ooh, but it's true. I, you know, if, if you heard me long enough, you know I love physics. Because it, it's, scripture, it's scripture. Physics is scripture. I'm telling you. If you're a Christian, you should be very good in physics. Others of you that don't know physics, unbelief, that's your problem. <laughs> unbelief, unbelief. <laughs> the Lord is good. So, what am I saying? We are focusing on the Lord Jesus Christ. Somebody say we are focusing. We are, focusing. We are expectant. We are, expectant. We, are we are absorbed. We are steady. We are steady. Yes, say it. That's it. We are focusing. We are focusing. And then this power is flowing into us. Amen. Somebody say amen to that. Amen. The power of Christ is flowing into you. The power of Christ is flowing into everyone listening to this. Amen. And that's not the joke. I mean, it is flowing. Amen. Let me say it again to you. It is always the will of God for you to be 100% healed. Always. Always the will of God. You know, I've established what the will is now. Because sometimes people don't realize it. See, but this person didn't get healed. Doesn't mean it's the will of God. That was just a decree for whatever reason. That was a decree. It's a story the prophet told us then, Kennedy Hagin. That he fell, broke his hand. I've told the story here countless times. A part I don't add many times is the fact that after the Lord, to, after the Lord talked with him, he said, you are going to get healed 99%. 99%. Ah. Bros, between you and whoever, now knock away my elbow. You are, okay, now I've repented. Why won't you just restore it 100%? The Lord said, no. That I'm going to leave 1% behind. To remind you for the rest of your life never to disobey me. He said, really? He got healed 99%. And he functioned normally. So occasionally, you just have a, like a discomfort there. And that thing stayed with him the rest of his life. And the Lord said, it's just to remind you. Because you know, human beings can forget. Oh, we all forget too. Forgetting is our nature. Apart from the spirit of Christ. Forgetting is... Human beings can forget. God kept on giving commandment. Thou shalt remember. Thou shall remember. Thou shall remember. Do you know why I say thou shall remember? Before, <laughs> because thou usually forgets. <laughs> we normally forget. We normally forget. People say Paul had the turn in the flesh. First, I understand from scripture, Paul's turn in the flesh was not a health issue. He said it clearly. If you are thinking about it, the turn in the flesh of Paul was not a health matter. Okay? Now, I'm not saying that to make it look like he could never have been sick. After all, Epaphroditus was sick, and Paul could do nothing about it. You know how people used to get healed? They take handkerchief. You know, as I did here like this, I wipe my face. Next thing I look, my handkerchief don't miss. Somebody has not forget, they don't remove the handkerchief. <laughs> they go and lay it on the body of somebody who is sick. The person will get up healed. That's how people used to get healed with Paul. Peter's was even more interesting. The aura of Peter. Something that did not happen with Jesus that we are aware of, we are aware of and recorded for us. That also used to happen with Peter. He's just walking past. He said the shadow. No, be shadow. I mean, shadow days was The guy here too won't he be healed. It's just the ambience around Peter. He used to get people healed. Paul. Bible calls it special miracles. You take handkerchiefs from the body of Paul. And be Paul wear clothes, finish, he remove, hang out for house. Cloth disappears. <laughs> The cloth will disappear. They go to hospital and put it on somebody's body. Person has been unconscious for four days. They will lay it and they cover it with hospital blankets. And that the fellow will wake up. 
And he's like, what happened? He said, hey, that clock, give me back before the owner starts looking for it. They go and hang it back for Paul. That same Paul, I'm telling you, Epaphroditus fell sick with him and he could do nothing about it. He prayed and left it for God. But the man recovered, we thank God. He said, lest I have sorrow upon sorrow. He said, God had mercy on me. So I'm not saying he couldn't have had issues. I'm just going to emphasize the fact that that was not his issue. He told us what his turn in the flesh was. But having said that, his turn in the flesh was the persecutions and afflictions that he faced, you know, troubles that he faced everywhere he went. And you read through the book of Acts, they followed him everywhere. That was his turn in the flesh. Now, but what did he say about the turn in the flesh? He said it was given, lest I be what? Exalted above measure. Proud because of the amount of revelation he had. Ah, Paul had revelation. I'm going to ask God for that revelation too. But just then that turn, just... You know what God is saying? Don't worry about the thorn. If there's no risk of being exalted above measure, I won't give it to, to you. I think I like shooking people. No way to shook somebody. To prick somebody with a thorn. I don't like it. But <laughs> if I didn't do it for Paul, I would have had to kill him. So occasionally when he thinks he's known everything, I have to humble him. Bros, relax. I'm going to emphasize something here. It is always the will of God to heal. Remember we're talking about what the will is. So what if the judgment is slightly different? Then we make adjustments as appropriate. Until the judgment aligns with his will. That's what I'm going to say. So don't ever say that it's not the will of God. It is the will of God. Why have I not, re- have I not received it? I don't know. But I'll keep walking until I correct the hindrance between me and the full manifestation of that power. I will never settle and say, no, it's not the will of God. It's forbidden. That set two is not allowed. That set two is not allowed. I read a, man, a book from, by a man one time. He was talking about healing. And I said, sometimes it's not the will of God to heal. I said, show me the scripture in the book. You know the scripture he showed me? I didn't ask him directly. I'm just reading the book. It's his personal experience. that He had chronic tinnitus. And he has prayed about it. And God did not remove it. So it's not the will of God. I said, what kind of nonsense is this one? How can your book be a Bible? How can your life, your experience be the Bible? Of course, your experience cannot be our Bible, for goodness sake. Your experience cannot be our Bible. It's not allowed. It is not allowed. He could have gone to pray. And God could have told him what is wrong. Just like Paul. He said, no, bros. The problem with you is that if I leave this thing like this, you'll be exalted above measure. And sometimes, it's like, okay, let me go and work on that exaltation. That tendency in me to be exalted. But not that we settle and say, no, it's not the will of God. It is always the will of God. And if the judgment does not rhyme, we've talked about that from the beginning, then we will work on ourselves until the judgment rhymes with the will. Because the problem is always between us. It's always within us. Either because of something in our lives we have not gotten rid of, or certain prayers we have not yet offered. Like I said yesterday, last time on Saturday, that I asked, and the Holy Spirit helped me to understand. Why do we tarry long in prayer? Well, I already understand that we can't change God's mind. It's not possible. No, you don't change his mind. You can convert his decree to his will, which must go with certain activities of repentance like they did in Nineveh. But you can't really change that will. So why do we pray for long then? We are the ones being converted into his perfect will. 
the length of prayer is how we are being transformed. Every time we come to pray, we are changing. So if you have, that's why let me tell you again. Stop. I don't mean to be critical. Do you get my point? See? Digression for one moment. Truth is truth. Forget people's experience. Do you, are you getting my point? I have found out from scripture. It's not about people's experience. It is better, eh? Let me tell you what you want to pray. Instead of going to the place of prayer and like they showed me one girl for the, for one video one day. Whether the Holy Spirit possess her like that too, I don't know. Well, let me let me just leave that. It is better you go to the place of prayer with a Bible and chant scriptures you can understand for one hour. Hmm? And then make requests for five minutes and go home. Then still there, say, See, your does not have more power than scripture. At all. Yes, sir. At all. It does not have more power than scripture. I'm not saying don't grow. No. I'm just don't even have this impression that you have released more power than somebody who comes with Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd that shall not want. He makes me land in green pastures. And he keeps on reciting it. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Don't even have the impression for one second they have released more power. Because you're... Some people just turn some special manifestations to a doctrine. Don't even... For a fraction... Don't let it enter your head. Now, this word, eh? They didn't call Jesus groom. They called him what? The word of God. It's true, no? He is the word of God. Please, I know I will ruffle some feathers. See, all this shouting is not necessary. So, woman, the other day, leading prayer, I was like, excuse me, is this necessary? God, do something. God, do something. God, do something. And people are like, eh, eh. See, what's wrong with all of you? Somebody should bring out a simple scripture. First John chapter 5, verse 14. Declare it seven times. This is the confidence we have in him. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Say that. Don't shout. Oh, do something, do something. Just because now you get a problem, no be him. Yes, no. You're not persuading him. You're persuading yourself that he heard you. So it's easier to use that scripture. By the time you say it seven times and you hear the word of God that has been purified seven times and it enters into your heart. Don't, look, I'll give it to you. No, I don't like to sound super spiritual, but I'll tell you my own spiritual experiences. One day, I told the story here recently, where I was in Adwekiti. One man came, Landed boy is his name. He taught us year by year. First time somebody introduced me to the fact that God has a specific purpose for your life, better walk in it. It's not your faith that's leading you, you know, like I claim this by faith. I claim, no, that's not what is leading you somewhere. It's what he has already planned. You have to discover that and use faith to walk in that. Man. That man finished preaching that day. Everybody began to pray. Hey, even my own fire. Oh, God. <laughs> I was ready. I stood up like this. Oh, we began. Oh, this will just stop me. Yeah, oh, boy. Do you understand what he said? I said, I did. He said, shut up and sit down. I kept quiet and sat down. Didn't say a word of prayer. 
yet my life changed permanently till today. See, I don't whine like this. <laughs> I was ready. But this people just looked at me like, what is wrong with this boy? You think it's this shout we are talking about? See, all that shout is for you, not for him. So sometimes if you need to shout to persuade yourself, fine. I remember clearly that day. I still know where I sat in that church. As I stood up like this, something major said, wait, do you understand what he said? I said, fully. You understand it very well. It, look, there's a yes that you say, you know what you mean by yes. Like, I, I remember that my people was in 1992. I'm still preaching the message to you till today, 30 years after. That's how much it entered. I can still remind you of how he explained to us that Elimelech and Elkanah were contemporaries. How one went looking for food in Moab and lost everything. How God was looking for a replacement for the house of Eli. I remember the story. And that Hannah kept on going year by year until she had ten sons. And understood that it's not just a son, but ten sons. And his intent was not a number of quantity, but a number of quality. Ha-ha. And that was when she connected with divine purpose and divine destiny. At the end of the demand, I said, oh boy, this was what I heard. Run here and there, whatever you want, until you find divine purpose. you just be meeting frustration everywhere. That was my introduction. That was when God set me on that path. As I stood up, God just said, did you understand? I said, he said, yeah, sit down. Paul said, how did he receive the spirit? Was it by works of the law? He said, how? But hearing with faith. I heard it with faith, I was transformed. Many of our shouting is a sign of deafness. We have not heard anything. I'm telling you. The more you hear, the less you shout. I know I'm going to ruffle some feathers, but you understand me one day. That's the truth. That's the truth. What are we doing? Focusing on that serpent on the cross. So remember, it's always his will. Next point, again. Please, let's read this. I want us to read some scriptures. Hebrews chapter 3. All right, so let's read this first of all. Hebrews chapter 13. It's a portion we know very well, just that. Let's read, let's read. Reading is good. Amen. <laughs> Please bear this in mind. You know, the Bible says that you know of Jesus Christ. Peter was speaking to the household of Cornelius. Say, so you know of Jesus Christ, how God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and with power, and how he went around doing good and healing some who were oppressed of the devil. Huh? Are you saying that I didn't say what, I didn't say it correctly? Uh, you nodded. <laughs> I didn't say it correctly. It's true. He healed how many? He healed how many? He healed how many? He healed all who were oppressed of the devil. All of them. Why? Because God was with him. 
That's what he said. So now I want us to read that Hebrews chapter 13. Now that we know who that Jesus is, I want to read from verse 5. From verse 5. He said, make sure that your character is free from the love of money. Being content with what you have. For he himself has said, I will never desert you, nor will I ever forsake you. So as a result, we confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. He said, what will man do to me? So in verse 7, he said, remember those who led you, who spoke the word of God to you, and considering the results of their conduct, imitate their faith. Verse 8, everybody verse 8 with me. All right, so I want us to read verse 8 together one more time. One to let's go. Now, remember, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. You know what that means? He healed all then. What will he do today? He healed all then. What will he do today? He will heal all today. Yes, that he will. Please, sometimes I, do, I don't realize I should say this. You know, that's what I'm like. Sometimes I wonder whether I should say this. But then you have to say things. God still works miracles of healing today. Yes, I've heard people say that those days, there were no doctors. That's how I had to work miracles. Thank God for what doctors do. But that statement is so false. Do you get what I'm saying? Let me just warn you. Stop believing that nonsense. I can tell you, most serious diseases, doctors can't do anything about it. They can't. They can't. They like to cut. No one is why they cut. They can't heal the thing to remove it. I hope you're getting my point. So let's get it clear. Jesus heals today. Say it again. Jesus heals today. Peter said, you know of Jesus Christ, how God anointed him, and he went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. Remember, oppression is what? Any affliction in the life of somebody who has been forgiven. I hope you like that scientific definition. So what is oppression? Give me the answer. Any affliction Those who did not know, you have heard it now. So join them to say, what is, what is oppression? Any affliction in the life of someone who has been forgiven. If you have been forgiven of the Lord, give me an amen. amen. Alright, so anyone who said amen now, every affliction in your life is oppression. That's it. That's what it is. You know what it means? It means that it must go in Jesus' name. It means it will go in the name of Jesus. It means we will hold on to the word of God until it goes away. Now, I said something earlier. Let's not get used to bad things. Anytime my time comes, I have have And you'll be telling that it's your best right. Now, my time has come now, so I always have a headache, have some anxieties. Don't worry about it. It will last only two, three days to be all right. Like I say all the time, no excuses for Satan. What did I say? No excuses for Satan. Even if you have that experience, don't give any excuse. Just this kind of pressure. No worry. I go back home. That's a better way to talk. Say this nonsense of pressure. I don't know. I'm a time will come, and I'll be doing as if I'm not saved. That's a better way to talk. Do you get my point? No, don't make it like it's normal. Say, I don't know. Bro, help me. Give me scripture. I need to kill this thing. People sometimes, you know, because maybe they say somebody has faith, then they now fell sick. 
I now went to hospital. See, it doesn't work. My life is not a Bible. I'm trying to live the Bible just like you. So if you, if you fall down, what do we do? We get up again. The righteous man trying to walk by faith for healing. Falls how many times? The Lord leads him down. What does the Lord do? He raises him up again. Let's not for any reason reduce our expectation, even though we don't expect. Look, listen, that's one thing. Keep your eyes, like they say, it's better to shoot for the sun and get the moon. Better to do that than to shoot for the earth and get it all. Let's keep on aiming high. If you see a sick person, hold the person and let me pray for you. I'm a child of God. If there's a believer, let us pray. God can heal. Because we keep on building our level of faith. We keep on building what? Our levels of faith. But let's not just keep it down as if it's normal. No. I want us to understand we are talking about Jesus. Let's read that again. Hebrew, no, first, let's go back to that Acts chapter 10. Seth. I want us to read it. Because what we are doing is contemplating Jesus Christ. That's what we are doing. We are doing what? Contemplating Jesus Christ. That's what we are doing. We are contemplating him. We are looking at him. Remember, we are looking at him expectantly. Attentively, with a steady and absorbing gaze. That's what we are doing. We are looking. If I invest 38 of the book of Acts, chapter 10, let's read it together. If you have a smart Bible and you can easily change your version, switch to the New American Standard so that our voices will go together. That's just the reason. All right, one to let's go. You know of Jesus of Nazareth, how God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and with power, and how he went about doing good. And healing all who were oppressed by the devil. For God was with him. I want us to read that again. And when you get to all, you will say that one louder than the others. Okay, Nana? Alright, let's start again. One to let's go. You know of Jesus of Nazareth. How God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and with power. And how he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. For God was with him. I say to you again. You have been forgiven. Amen. So every affliction in your life is oppression. Amen. And Jesus has come to heal that oppression. Amen. Now, so you are listening to me. Receive that healing power in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. And we read just now, he said that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So the Jesus that healed then is healing today. Amen. Say amen to that. Amen. The Jesus that healed then is healing today. Let's read another thing about this Jesus. Matthew chapter 8. Matthew chapter 8. Quickly, we are going to read from verse 14. I'll read. Then you'll join me somewhere. Matthew chapter 8. Okay, Israel. Yeah, give the mic to us. Who will read for me? Who has an anointed voice? Matthew chapter 8. Nobody wants to read. Ah. The person who will read is the first to be healed. Apostle. All the hands will now go up. Okay, let's. <laughs> All right, if you read, you'll be blessed. Let's leave it like that. All right, who wants to read for me? All right, we we'll have to. <laughs> okay, there are these two ladies after him. All right, you can remain seated. You can read from your seat. It's okay. Now you're going to read Matthew chapter 8. And you read from verse. Let me be sure of which verse you'll start from, please. Now read from verse 14 and read all the way to verse 17. All right? All right, read from chapter, Matthew chapter 8 from those verses. Go ahead. When Jesus came into Peter's home, he saw his mother-in-law lying sick in bed with a fever. 
He touched her hand, and the fever left her, and she got up and waited on him. When evening came, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed, and he cast out the spirits with a word, and healed all who were ill. Verse 17. This was to fulfill what was spoken through Isaiah the prophet. He himself took our infirmities and carried away our diseases. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Somebody say amen to that. Amen. Now we're all going to read that second portion of verse 17 together. I'll read the first portion, then we'll all read that verse, the second portion together. He said, this was to fulfill what was spoken through Isaiah the prophet. One, two, let's go. He himself took our infirmities and carried away our diseases. Again, he himself took our infirmities and carried away our diseases. Now, I want you to personalize. Just say, my. One, two, let's go. He himself took my infirmities and carried away my diseases. One more time. He himself took my infirmities and carried away my diseases. Now, because he took your infirmities and carried away your diseases, the Bible says that every spirit that is stopping you, you are delivered from it now in the name of Jesus. Every illness that is disturbing you, you are delivered from it now in the name of Jesus Christ. That scripture, you know, we're having this discussion the other day. Somebody said that this scripture is not literally about healing. I said, hey, 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 it is. It is. Why? This is a commentary from Matthew here, which was what Jesus taught them. The Isaiah chapter 53, where he quoted from, was fulfilled in that Jesus healed those who were demon-possessed, cast out the spirits that was worrying them with a word, and healed all who were ill. How did he cast out the spirits? With a word. How do you think he healed those who were ill? I'll tell you, with a word also. So I'm saying to you, according to the commandment of the Spirit, as we are hearing this, you are also being healed. Is the word. Is the word. The most powerful healings that Jesus did, he didn't touch anybody. He didn't touch anybody. Even the widow of nine, now the casket didn't touch. That's the son. Lazarus, remove the stone. What did he do? He, spoke. he didn't go to the corpse. Who won't touch corpse? That want to touch Lazarus after four days. I prefer that word anointing. He stood outside. Lazarus, all <laughs> whistled for Lazarus. Lazarus, come forth. And he that was dead came out of the grave. Every dead thing in your life, come out of the grave in Jesus' name. Amen. Why? Because you have been forgiven. Everybody say, I've been forgiven. I've been forgiven. By the precious blood of Jesus Christ, I have been washed. Sickness has no reason to stay in my body. Say, demons cannot stay in my life. Say demons of affliction, demons of affliction. Out, of out of my life in Jesus' name. Demons of confusion, demons of confusion. out of my life in the name of Jesus. Of name of demons, of demons of oppression, out, out. In, Jesus name. in Jesus' name. Why? Because I've been forgiven. Say it, because I've been forgiven. Because I've been washed by the blood of Jesus. Yes, people of God, that's how it works. You are healed by that word. Somebody say amen. amen. You are healed by that word. Alright, I'll give one of these two ladies a mic. They are going to read for us from the book of Isaiah chapter 33 
We are gazing on the plan of God. Isaiah chapter 33. You read for us from verse 17 to verse 24. Eight verses. Isaiah 33. Your eyes will see the king in his beauty. They will behold a far distant land. Your heart meditates on terror. Where is he who counts? Where is he who weighs? Where is he who counts the towers? You will no longer see a fierce people, a people of unintelligible speech, which no one comprehends, of a stammering tongue which no one understands. Look upon Zion, the city of our appointed feasts. Your eyes will see Jerusalem, an undisturbed habitation, a tent which will not be folded. Its stake will never be pulled up, nor any of its cord be torn apart. But there the majestic one, the Lord will be for us, a place of rivers and wide canals, on which no boat with us will go, and on which no mighty ship will pass. For the Lord is our judge, the Lord is our lawgiver, the Lord is our king. He will save us. Amen. Your track hangs slacks. It cannot hold the base of its mast firmly, nor spread out the shell. Then the prey of an abundant spoil will be divided. The lame will take the plunder. And no residents will say, I am sick. The people who dwell there will be forgiven their iniquity. Amen. He's talking about Zion. Zion stands for the church. If you are in the the Zion of God, give me an amen. Amen. He says, Zion is the city of our appointed feasts. Your eyes shall see Jerusalem, an undisturbed habitation. Listen, in peace you will lie down and sleep. For the Lord alone will make you dwell in safety. What did he say about the people therein? He said, it's a place of rivers and white canals, on which no boat with oars will go. He was talking about invaders who ride in upon the waters to come and afflict the people of God. Now, why will it not happen? Verse 22. For the Lord is our judge. Everybody read that with me. Say it again. For the Lord. Next line. The Lord is our lawgiver. The Lord is our king. He will save us. Wait. You know, I said something on Saturday. You are not saved because you say Jesus is your savior. How are you saved? Because you say Jesus is your Lord. People want to accept Jesus as a savior, not as Lord. That's not, he said you will believe that God raised him from the dead. Are you getting my point? You will believe that God raised him from the dead and you will confess him as what? Lord. Then you are saved as a result. Salvation is the side effect of the lordship of Jesus Christ. I hope you're getting my point. Lordship is not the side effect of salvation. So people want to be saved and be greeting Jesus in the morning. But where how far? No, in the morning you worship him and lay your life down before him again. And his salvation is established in your life. Therefore he says, in that city, the Lord is our judge. Say amen to that. The Lord is our lawgiver. The Lord is our king. He said, as a result, he will do what? He will save us. Now look at what he says in verse 24. He said, and no resident will say, I am sick. No resident of Zion will say, I am sick. What would they say? I am well. What would they say? I am well. I am healed. I have been delivered. If you are a resident of Zion, give me an amen. Amen. Now you have 30 seconds to say everything you want to say about yourself. 30 seconds. I am healed. 
I am saved. I am well. I am not confused. I am blessed. I've been delivered from oppression. I am healed. I'm a resident of Zion. I will never see. I am sick. Because the healing power of God will be in me. From the top of my head to the soles of my feet. I am healed. I am whole. I am strong. I am blessed. (laughs) Oh, amen. He said, the people who dwell there will be forgiven their iniquity. I said it before. Once you have been forgiven, every affliction is what? Oppression. And now I'm saying again, oh, inhabitant of Zion, you have been forgiven your iniquity. Therefore, no affliction can stay in your life. Because Jesus goes around healing all who are oppressed of the devil. In the name of Jesus Christ. Alright, I want us to read a few more. Quickly, Romans chapter 8. We'll read from verse 9 to verse 11. Who's doing that for us? There's a hand here up. Quickly give her the mic. Romans chapter 8. Read from verse 9 all the way to verse 11. That was good enough. However, you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. But if anyone doesn't have the spirit of Christ, he doesn't belong to him. If Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of sin, yet the spirit is alive because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Oh, I like the way you responded to that. Say that amen one more time. Amen. You know what he's saying here? We said that every affliction in life is a result of sin. So he was saying that the body naturally is subject to death because of sin. He said, however, if the spirit of God or the spirit of Christ dwells in you, he said, even though that body is naturally subject to death because of sin, yet from the spirit it will receive life because of righteousness. Now to show that I'm reading that verse 10 very well, he now expanded it well in verse 11. He said, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to what? Your mortal bodies through his spirit who indwells you. Listen, until this body is transformed and we are given a new body in resurrection, we have the right to have the spirit of God give life to the one we are using right now. After all, it's in this body we are serving the purpose of God. True of us? That was why they stoned Paul at the time. And they thought he was dead. And he got up, shook his clothes, and went into the city. You know the reason why? Because that same spirit gave life to a body that was subject to death. Therefore, I say to you, because Christ is in you as a believer, that same spirit that raised him from the dead is giving life to your mortal body. Amen. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. The natural order of things is that the body decays with age. But because of faith, your own body will continually receive life in Jesus' name. As you grow older, your eyes will not become weak. Your bones will not become weak. Your heart will not become weak. Will not become weak. In the name of Jesus Christ. They will tell you diabetes is more common in old age, not in your own old age. They say when you get to this particular age, you are more likely to be hypertensive, not at your own age. In the name of Jesus. 
Why? Because the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, right now that spirit is in you and is giving life to your mortal body. In the name of Jesus Christ. Listen, that's what we are gazing upon. Everybody say after me, the spirit of God. The spirit of God. God That raised Jesus from the dead. dead, Is working in me. And is giving life to my mortal body. I call that the law of process. <laughs> yes, <laughs> sorry, you don't have to repeat that. I call that the law of process. What do I mean? It's not every time that it's instantaneous. Bam. Do people age instantaneously? You won't even know when the person is changing. Slow, slow. Kidney will be functioning less, less. Pancreas will be functioning less, less. You know, I've studied all kinds of bad things in this life. I don't want to teach you bad, bad things. Do not tell you that you see, as the, the cells in the pancreas that produce the insulin, they start developing, they start depositing nonsense around them. They are depositing nonsense. They now will not know how to respond to glucose again. Now wake up one day, they are diabetic, and they make it look like it is normal. What they have just described is called the process of death. What did I call it? Now let me tell you another story. It's not in the medical books, but it's in my Bible. As you are hearing the word of God, as you are being infused with God's word, that same pancreas, all the yamayama he has put around those cells that are supposed to produce insulin, it will be clearing away bit by bit. Amen. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. So that one who was diabetic last year, as he or she begins to hear the word of God and continues to hear the word of God, that same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead will give life to those pancreas cells again and they will begin to walk normally. We just pronounced an end to diabetes. Amen. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Listen, these are real things. Please read my book, Walk by Faith. Read it. It is to you according to your faith. It is to you according to your faith. Let's reject all these stories they tell all the time. You know, when you grow older, you start forgetting. Listen, there's only one reason why I forget. You know why? Too many things to think about. Let me digress a bit. That's why God gives you sleep. At night, your brain defragments. You know what they call defragmenting? Those of you who know about computers, you will understand it. Computers defragment. Don't mean to defragment. Let me teach you something small. <laughs> to write a file, if a file is like, there are some heavy files to carry around, like a, a picture, take a very high quality picture, 10 megabytes. If your computer is very, very busy, or your phone, all right? It can scatter that 10 megabytes as one megabyte here, two here, three here, just all over where it can find space. At the end of the day, use your computer, it scatters files all over the place. So the other one, you put it down. It starts rearranging itself. Those days, when we used to use Windows 98 with the Windows 2000, you have to tell it to do it. But these days, they've done it so that when your computer is idle, sometimes when your computer is not doing anything, when you're not doing anything, computer will just wake up and start working. It's rearranging itself. We call it defragmenting. <laughs> yes. That's how life is also. Your brain is like that. Your soul is like that. Too many activities. So you know when your brain defragments? You are sleeping. God knew why he wants you to sleep one third of the day. About that, yes. Especially on the average, you sleep, sleep at one Ah, you're like, ah, is that not productive time? No, no, it's defragmenting time. It's defragmenting time. Let me tell you something, just as an aside, this is not the main thing, no. Before you invest in a good car, eh? invest in a good bed, 
Do you know what I'm saying? Yes, if you live in a hot environment, there's power. Buy a small AC. That doesn't chop too much power. It's, 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 it's important, though. It's better you jump from one keke to a car that they are from one bus to the other and then come back home, base at night, lie down. Make cool breeze blow your soul. You get eight hours, rather than <laughs> you drive a good car, get at night, and I say with your fan till morning. <laughs> It's not good. <laughs> it's not good. It's not good. You know, that sleep eh, is the will of God. Even Jesus had to defragment. He was defragmenting so much on the boat. The boat was tossing up and down. It didn't wake up. So sleep at night. Are you, I hope you're getting my point. I've warned you, if you wake up to pray against demons again, they will enjoy you. It's the will of God. That a Christian that's waking up at night to pursue demons will get injured by them. If you want to frustrate demons, sleep. When you want to wake up at night, is wake up to worship. Wake up to bless. Remember those children we're talking about? Wake up to bless them. Bless your natural children. Bless the responsibilities that God placed in your hand. Bless your nation. But please don't chase demons. Uh-uh. Demons will keep you awake. Are you not even ashamed of yourself? If any witch come to, <laughs> come to my, my room at night, eh? I don't go before answer them. I say, at the sleep, wait till morning. If you come and go, they can't slap. I go, you know, <laughs> you could slap it with the head with split in two. You know, that man said he was being chased by a two-headed demon. One man, I heard him preaching. Bro, I don't mean any insult. But when you finish with that demon, you have four heads. <laughs> when you come next night, you have eight heads. Don't scare because you have two heads. Now come and scare me. Let me ask you a question. If you see a two-headed cockroach, what do you do? You increase the marching speed. <laughs> Will this scare you now? You pour more sniper on his head. Now, that's an aside. I just want to put that as an aside. Sleep well. What did I say? Sleep well. Turn to your neighbor. Say, sleep well. Sleep well. Sleep well. And, and I feel like telling somebody, tell your neighbor for me. Maybe it depends that they say, stop dreaming in the bad dreams. Turn to somebody and say, stop dreaming bad dreams. Tell the person, dream of angels. Uh-huh. Dream of prosperity. Dream of anointing. Dream that you are healing the sick. Dream that you are pressing witches. How can you what they are pressing your dream? Does it make sense? <laughs> when you want to go, I said tonight I'm going to dream that I'm I'm, in, I'm flying in an aeroplane. I'm going to Abuja in a private jet. You're not a witch. You're just flying prosperously. I'll be getting my point. Dream that you hired a boat for two million dollars too. Dream better dream. Again, if I don't be dreaming nonsense dreams. Yeah, I was dreaming that they were not pushing me. I was not running. I was not running. I was about to fall off the cliff and I woke up. Thank God. Go back to that dream. I'm pushing them back over the cliff. <laughs> the Lord is good. Now what am I going to say? So I know I want to do that. So why we forget sometimes? Simply because we don't sleep well enough. Yeah, sometimes. And we are so busy. God has taught me one trick now by which I remember things. I just tell myself the thing. If you come in and say, please, maybe my wife calls me and say, please, when you are leaving the house, let me bring my face towel. I say, okay. And I was walking. Usually you hang the phone, continue the walk. You don't forget. What I now do this is, I just say, I hang the phone. Madam said, bring her face towel when I'm leaving. That has doubled it in my heart. I continue my walk. That word will speak back to me. It's one of those things you do. But nobody should come and lie to you that you know because you are now 55 years old, you are beginning to forget that is not your portion in Jesus' name. Amen. This your head will never have dementia. Amen. 
This your head will never have dementia. Amen. This your brain will never forget. Amen. It will never become tired. Amen. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Why? Because the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is dwelling in you. And is giving life to your mortal body. Amen. I command strength for that eye. Amen. I command strength for that eye. Amen. In the name of Jesus. Amen. I command strength for that heart. Amen. That liver, wake up in Jesus name. Amen. Hey, I know they say it's alcohol you drank those days, but you have been forgiven. You have been forgiven now. I say you have been forgiven. Therefore, I command healing for your liver in the name of Jesus. I command healing for your heart in the name of Jesus. Because it is written, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is dwelling in you. If indeed you belong to Christ, that spirit is giving life to your mortal body. In the name of Jesus Christ. Come on, give the Lord thanks this evening. Say, Father, I thank you. Say, Lord, we thank you. Say, Lord, we thank you. Lord, we thank you. Just give the Lord thanks. I want you to give, rise to your feet. Just rise to your feet. And take a moment and give the Lord thanks. Next time, I have other laws we're supposed to talk about. One we'll talk about is the law of process. There's a law of obedience or faith. The law of desire. We'll talk about them. Jesus came to that man. He had to ask him, obviously blind. He said, what do you want me to do for you? That's why I said, don't get, don't get stuck with, don't manage bad things. Don't manage bad things. So give the Lord thanks. Give the Lord thanks. Say, Lord, thank you. Say, Lord, thank you. For how you have blessed me with your word today. Jesus healed them with a word. He drove away the demons with a word. Those demons in your life, has, they've been driven away. Those demons have been driven away. Addiction has been driven away. Addiction is a satanic spirit. It's a demon. It's a demon. You can't help but continue to smoke. You can't help but begin to take some drugs. Today, I free you by the power of the word of God. In the name of Jesus. That's what the spirit of God is saying to you. Yes, you are free. You are free. Give the Lord thanks for freedom. Because thanksgiving is important. You must give thanks. We'll talk about it next time. Thanksgiving is important. Give thanks because you have been set free. Give thanks. Enough of making excuses for where the problem started from. Give thanks you have been set free. Give thanks because you have been set free. Give thanks because you have been set free. Give thanks. You have been set free. Let's thank the Lord. Say, Father, we thank you for freedom. We thank you for healing.